Day and welcome to the Pandemic Show. Stories of the Pandemic for people living in the Pandemic. No one is alone on the Pandemic Show. On today's show, Dave transcends time and space to talk with Kate Manketlow in London, United Kingdom. Kate shares what it's like living in a high-density global city during the pandemic. She shares how the pandemic has reawakened the country's blitz spirit and discusses its impact on pub culture. Brexit is another factor affecting people in the UK right now. Kate shares that the exit deal has entered the painful teething stage. Londoners are demonstrating resilience in the face of the pandemic, relying on Victorian parks to give them an escape from small flats. Kate, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Excited to hear what's going on in terms of the pandemic in the United Kingdom. In season one, we talked to Meredith and her and her partner had just had a baby. She shared what it was like raising a newborn during the pandemic, but that was last August. So much has changed. There's been lockdowns. There's been the UK variant. The pandemic has evolved. Humans have adapted. So it's great to be able to check in to see how London pub culture is doing and what life is like in the pandemic in the UK. Happy to help. Thank you very much. Can you tell us what life was like living in Northwest London, working in central London pre-pandemic, in before times? Yeah, I moved to London because there's always so much going on here. Whatever you want to do, you can find a community to do it with. You can go and experience it. There's always just things happening. And it was a very different winter in that we last winter and that we we were hearing rumblings of the pandemic in happening in China and it was starting to become a bigger and bigger deal. I'm a teacher we get a break every 6 weeks or so. There was a half term break in February and that was the first time when people were saying I don't think I'm going to go away and I might watch what I'm doing. The the pandemic mainly affected the rich areas of London for speed to do ski trips but then very quickly it became a bigger and bigger news item uh by march people were becoming very afraid and then on the 23rd of march things locked down so i went from having always something or always having something to do to stay at home orders and teaching at home i went from sub packed subway to just me walking out in my central london station in euston yeah huge changes And London is high density. Most people, I believe, live in apartment buildings. Yeah, definitely. So, what's it like being confined into an apartment building, or is is there lots of green spaces for people to go? What's it like living in a high density situation during the pandemic? That was definitely challenging. It's a small space, and so um, luckily, my partner and I managed to make it work. But there's basically only two spaces you can be in and so we just kind of rotated between them and it was similar situations for other couples or other families it became very tense in a lot of houses and we're lucky in that there's a lot of parks and green spaces here that you can go to but when you can't sit down and you can only stay within your the area around your house there it was just a lot of people doing circuits around the park one of the 
public health orders there is to you could use the parks for exercise, but you can't sit down and recreate. Yeah. And you could only go out once a day for exercise. Oh, wow. I've heard some people were getting pets so they could walk their pets in certain places in the world. Is that something that might have been happening there? Yeah, that was a thing here because you could, if you had a, a dog, you could walk it unlimited numbers of time. I think it was more an issue of just people were getting lonely and missing the interaction. Technology seems to have played a large role in keeping families connected that are that are apart. I'm assuming the trend in London too, people are having to rely on technology for their family fixes, their social fixes. Oh yeah, for sure. I think it was a worldwide thing where social gatherings all went online. I think at the beginning, people were kind of curious. And so they were taking, they were doing online yoga lessons or online pub quizzes that definitely petered out the longer people were locked down. I've been caught up in a lot of live streaming, watching musicians play or just live streaming, even Netflix. I've also noticed I'm spending more time outside kind of just outside my house watching the bird feeder. Is there any changes in nature that you're seeing in the city with people's habits changing so drastically? Definitely people are getting into exercise much more. There's a whole group of us at work that all started running since the pandemic. And I think also just in general, the, the way people interact is different. So people have been making obviously more small, close relationships somebody that they meet up with and they go for walks in the park, as opposed to that big group that you'd always be kind of going out for pub trips with. It's a slower pace of life with the pandemic. Definitely. How are the children affected in downtown London? How are they doing? Are they resilient? They've been remarkably resilient. They've just taken all the changes in stride. The group that I teach is in a very low income area of London and it's the whole extended family in one one bedroom flat. That's been really challenging for them in the sense that they're having to kind of, and at the moment they're also dealing with educating their children in the flat. With with the families that we were working with, they were all very afraid to go outside. And so we were, when we were calling to check in, they'd spent months and months inside. I can only imagine how challenging that would be living in a small space with two people is a challenge, but with, with more, I guess it's good if, you're a happy family and everybody gets along. I know there's been concern in Ontario for people who aren't in positive situations with their family. And there's a lot of concern about how they're doing. Yeah, definitely. Because if everything is a struggle, in terms of just doing your schoolwork or getting motivated, when there's so, so little to do, it's it's really tough. I feel that the pandemic year is kind of like just a redo year in so many ways. We're forced to make decisions with bad choices. I think we just need to get through this and then we can figure out where the deficits are that need to be addressed. And I think it's great that public education is bringing kids together so they can still be connected during this global pandemic. And it's fascinating how different jurisdictions are taking different approaches. Ontario, you can send your kid to public school when there's not a lockdown. It's like bricks and mortar, or there's a virtual option. And in Quebec, the, one of the, the neighboring provinces, the virtual is not an option unless there's a lockdown. What are the options there for education? Is it send them to school? Or is there a parallel? You could send them to school or there's a virtual option? We've only got one option and it's whatever the government mandate is. So if we're in lockdown and schools are closed, the only way you can go to school is if you're vulnerable or if you're a key worker or the child of a key worker. 
everybody else uh, does their learning from home. And then when the government says, right, you, you can come back, everybody's back in. It was slightly different at the end of last year. So from June, they said that children could start coming back to school, but it was up to the parents whether they wanted to send them or not. In the case of my school, they were very nervous. So I only had about five children in. Other schools, parents were very eager to send them back. I think it was depending on work commitments and also how many people in the family that they were that were shielding. And shielding, what does that term refer to? That's if you've got somebody in the high risk category that uh, you're protecting from the virus. Oh, okay. Shielding. Here we say we're in a bubble. So you just associate with the people that are in your bubble. And if someone's not in your bubble, you wear masks and you physically distance. Yeah. Yeah. We would say the same thing for that. That's interesting. Shielding. That's a good term. Are people just speaking of masks, are people wearing masks there or, and is everybody on the same page with supporting public health or is there, has it been politicized and there's some division? There is some division. I think most people are quite compliant, not necessarily wearing the mask properly, but (laughs) um, (laughs) like there's a few people with their nose hanging out the bottom, but I'd say for the most part, you know, we've got the rule that you have to wear a mask inside a shop. And you have to wear it on public transport. And for the most part, people follow that. I feel that I have a lot more confidence now in going out, having adapted now for a year. We're coming on the one year anniversary of the pandemic. We didn't have any PPE at the beginning. We didn't have any clear information. There was competing messages coming from different people in the press. But it seems like now we've public health has come up with some pretty clear things that we can do to keep ourselves safe and to shield our loved ones. We still hear though in Ontario, we have an anti-mask or a plague rat group. I think it's people that are just really overwhelmed by the isolation and the challenges. I think they might've been pushed by some of the challenges facing society before the pandemic as well. I, I, I almost worry that they're almost like they're lost souls. Germany has the queer danker movement, kind of the anti-mask, anti-lockdown group. It's interesting to think that one of our biggest challenges is collective action and getting everybody on the same page. Yeah, 100%. We've definitely got those groups here as well. And people protesting outside of the hospitals. There was a high profile case here as well, where a woman went into an outpatient hospital. So where they would do things like cancer checkups and filmed all these empty rooms saying, see, here's, it's all a big hoax. And she was arrested and charged. And it was basically, that's obviously hugely demoralizing for the the National Health Service staff, but also spreading misinformation. Yeah. Was it Mark Twain that said a lie can be halfway around the world while the truth is still tying up its shoes? Yeah. It's one of those things. The the misinformation sensationalist story travels much faster than the, the correction after it. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I was picking up some food yesterday at at a farmer's market and it was indoor in the Agriplex because it's winter here in Ontario. And I saw some people look like they were on a Tinder date. They were laughing. They're having so much fun and they weren't wearing any masks. I've heard people calling those types of people plague rats because they want to be the super spreaders or, you know, they could potentially be spreaders. And I just... I can't get my mind around it, but there's so much misinformation. I hope that we can collectively address all these conspiracy theories and and rehabilitate these people that are being, I would say, brainwashed. Yeah. And I think also, I think you're right. It's when they're frustrated, I think they're looking for someone to blame. And it's much easier to just say, well, it's all wrong and to be angry with sort of all of it's 
we're, we're going way over the top. How has anybody thought about us and how we're feeling? Then to keep plugging away with these quite uncomfortable restrictions. The vaccine has been rolled out. What do you think the vaccine is going to get us to an after time? I think it needs to be a worldwide effort. It's not enough for just for, for instance, for just the UK to vaccinate ourselves. Otherwise, in other countries, we're going to get a variant that works around the vaccine and then we're going to be back to where we are. That's something that you hear more about now in the headlines, the unequal distribution of the vaccine where it seems like Western countries are going to be, everybody will have an opportunity to be vaccinated if they want, but the vaccines aren't going throughout the whole world. And like you said, if there could be a variant that could come out, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm hoping I get a Moderna vaccine because I heard Dolly Parton's associated with that vaccine and I'm a Dolly Parton fan. Do you have a preference? At the moment, the best vaccine is the vaccine that's in my arm. In the UK, it's mostly the AstraZeneca a vaccine that people seem to be getting. And this government's been quite shambolic with the way that they've handled the pandemic. But the one thing that they have done well is that it has been rolling out quickly. And whichever one they give me, I'm definitely happy to take. You get what you get. You don't get upset. Yeah. You're in London, high density living. People are trapped to some degree in, in small apartments. What's public transit like during this? And what's it like to get from A to B to get to work? Initially, it was very different because they closed down a huge portion of the underground uh, subway stops. Now it's very similar. I take the same route. It's just there's way fewer people on the train. They've kept builders like they're considered key workers. That's a controversial one because obviously it's the development company that give a huge amount of money to the government. So throughout the whole time they've been working. So it's pretty much just me and the builders. Construction industry. Yeah. Yeah, the construction industry has been kept open in Ontario as well. I think it is controversial because how do you have a good lockdown when you're only locking down some people and hurting some people? Yeah, Ontario definitely, though, seems to have a different approach than Australia or New Zealand, which seem to have a policy of eradication. It seems that the provincial government here has taken an approach that we're going to try to live with this virus at 30% capacity. It'll be interesting to see how this vaccine plays out. Well, it was very clear at the beginning that the government policy was initially herd immunity. And they only changed it when it became clear that it would overwhelm our National Health Service. And then over the summer, they introduced a program, Eat Out to Help Out. And it was that the government would pay 10 pounds of your bill if you went out to a restaurant on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So basically we were being incentivized to go and socialize. And then, so basic, but that was when our numbers were lower. So basically the government would, has made it very clear that they are happy with a certain level of deaths, so long as it's not overwhelming the health service. That seems to be parallel to the Ontario situation. That was an interesting policy. What did you call pay out to eat out? Eat out to help out. Eat out to help out, excuse me. So UK pub culture, London pub culture is huge. It's it's a gathering place. It's a place to be together. How was pub culture handling this in the UK? Well, over the summer, it was, everything was open back up, but you had to be sitting down. So that was very different. And so much of pub, pub culture is just sort of going out with your mates, but then sort of chatting with the people around you and there was obviously a lot less of that because you had to keep your distance and even just 
pointing in somebody's direction you want to keep them safe yeah that's that's changed a lot and then the pubs throughout this the pubs have been opened and closed and and then in the most recent or the the time they were they were open before Christmas you could go to the pub but you had to have what they called a substantial meal so people were you could only go to the pub to have a dinner which is very different and the concern was that people were the more people were drinking the the less safe they were being and I think that's a reasonable conclusion. Yeah, definitely. Was there a big pivot to take out? I know in Ontario now you can take out food and take out alcohol. That was a big policy change before restaurants weren't allowed to sell. Alcohol was controlled. It has been moved into more stores. Was, yeah. there, was takeout a big strategy that people used? And could you get that government subsidy for takeout or was it dine-in only? Yeah, that was for dine-in only. The idea was that it was to encourage people to use the hospitality industry because they were worried that people would be too scared to go out to restaurants. But I think people were just so tired of being inside a small apartment that they would have gone out anyway. And the hospitality industry exists on fine margins. So they were, I wonder how they're even surviving with such reductions in capacity. Yeah, definitely. That was a huge challenge. And also with the government being so last minute, like they're around Christmas time, they were told, yep, you can open. And then at the very last minute, they were told to close. And so they had all the like huge orders of food for Christmas dinner, because a lot of people go to the pub for their Christmas dinner. And then they had to throw all that away. Stories of waste during the pandemic. It's unfortunate. Yeah, huge. Have restaurants or pubs, have they switched to trying to sell merchandise, like hats, t-shirts? I've seen that trend with neighborhood pubs or restaurants, you know, selling t-shirts, hats. Yeah, yeah. Within like the sort of trendier pubs, that's definitely becoming a thing. Um, Pubs, pizza shops, that sort of thing. Are you seeing lots of closings? We've been talking to people in Toronto and we're hearing that there's a lot of closed storefronts on Queen Street. Yeah, definitely. yeah. Can you give us an example of a of a high profile shopping area in London that people might around the world might be familiar with and share some impacts? Yeah, well, our biggest street is Oxford Street, but recently Debenhams, which is one of the mainstay super long or kind of heritage department stores, that just went under and got bought out. And but yeah, there there's been there's definitely been a lot of main street shops like even in rich areas so in Hampstead there there's quite a few uh, stores that have gone under as well. What kind of supports has the government given to people that have been made unemployed as a result of the pandemic? Yeah so we've got the furlough scheme but if you've lost your job then you go into our welfare system which is called universal credit. Yeah so there's definitely been a huge bump in that. With all this going on with the pandemic, Brexit is something else that the United Kingdom and mainland Europe is addressing. We talked with Gabriel Elassier from Germany a few weeks ago, and she said it's still the implications of it are still being learned. We heard about the truck drivers that were trapped in the UK and couldn't get back through the tunnel. I think that was due to the pandemic. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, so that was with the UK variant. All of a sudden, they said that the truck drivers couldn't go into France, and then it was backed up, and then they had to make a last-minute decision to say, right, that so long as they tested tested negative, they could uh, travel. So that wasn't to do with Brexit. That was the UK variant that the yeah. borders got shut down with. Have you heard of any impacts of Brexit and maybe how the pandemic is is making it even worse? Yeah, well, they're they're kind of 
compounding the problem. So at the moment, we're still in the teething phase of our very uh, poor Brexit deal. So at the moment, we can't ship anything into Europe and vice versa. The, the businesses that are already struggling with sales, are they're feeling that impact even more because they've, they've got no sales to Europe. I wonder when we come out of this, if we ever come out of this, what are going to be some of the positive things that we can't even imagine? And are all of these people that have been so adversely impacted by the pandemic and Brexit, are they going to be empowered to rebuild the country? I think there's definitely been a stronger sense of community. I think people have come to value their friendships much more. There's been a lot of talk of, you know, people, as you were saying, that relying on Zooms, but now that they've got their weekends free, for instance, they, that there's a lot of people that have a family Zoom booked in that they didn't do before. I think, and and I think pe- people are gonna have a much, a much more restored faith in what their community can do. That's been a trend talking to people. I think about Magda in Philadelphia. She said that the neighborhoods, the people in the community, the grassroots level are really coming together to support each other. Yeah, definitely. I've even uh, seen it around here with people helping shovel other people's driveways. Kinds of things that happened before the pandemic, but are still happening. It is heartwarming. Yeah, it's been really lovely. And and within my school, we've said we want to be a pillar of the community. And there's just been so many people doing really lovely things like dropping off food to Uh, give out to the parents and when we went into the second lockdown and children were going to have to do online learning there was all these businesses saying we've just been dumping all of our uh, computers when we finish it why hadn't we thought of this before so I think people are going to once they make that connection once and realize how good it feels it's going to be so much more it's going to be so much easier to make those further connections and realize other ways that they can help out I'm really hoping that we come out of this pandemic stronger and more unified I worry that that might not be the case, but I really hope that we address some of the chronic problems that we've been facing before the pandemic. I know in Ontario, migrant workers is an issue. The retirement home system with so many seniors getting sick and dying in institutional care. We hear about structural racism as a conversation that needs to happen in so many communities. I wonder if the pandemic is a crisis, but also an opportunity And it's shining light on our weaknesses so much that we'll be able to address them with solidarity from across the political spectrum. Do you get that kind of a sense that that might happen in the UK? It sounds like it's bringing people together in kind of that wartime us versus them, us versus COVID mentality. Yeah, definitely. Especially at the beginning, there was all sorts of talk about the Blitz spirit and and it tied in with the anniversary of VE day and everybody kind of talking about doing their bit and kind of the common good there there's definitely been a lot of and and obviously right now there's there's been a huge divide between remainers versus leavers with brexit and that has been a huge a huge thing that's been bringing people back together as a, a common cause i i hope it it manages to stay because especially now that there's a bit more fatigue but there there's definitely been a lot of positive well that's good to hear Well, Kate, thank you for letting us know that people are being resilient in the United Kingdom. And this UK variant is, can you tell us a little bit about that before we go? For sure. Yeah. um, It's here. It's in Ontario. I hear about it. Yeah. So it it came about in in Kent in the southeast of England. And the government had initially announced that people would be able to have groups of six together at Christmas time and then 
all of a sudden when the UK variant was going everywhere, then they made a very last minute decision to say, no, there's only certain areas that can meet for Christmas. And then they were put into zones and then we we're locked down again. But that was already after schools had broken up and a lot of people had already gone over to their families and they're, they'd already made their plans. So it, it spread very quickly. And is that the difference in the UK variant as opposed to the average run of the mill COVID? It's more contagious or is it more deadly or do we know yeah. the jury out? Yeah, it's more contagious. Unfortunately, I had COVID at the end of October. My friend got it right around Christmas time and it was the only time she had been out the house was when she was standing in, a, in the line at the supermarket. So it was much, much more contagious. And what was it like when you had it? Were you down and out or was it not that bad? It wasn't too bad. It worked out that it was on my week off school at the end of October anyway. So, uh, and there was very little happening at the time anyway. So I had my birthday during that time. So birthday. <laughs> yeah. And I was very lucky that my symptoms were very mild. I just lost my sense of spell. You weren't incapacitated. No, no, not at all. A milder case. Well, that's good to hear. With the UK variant in Ontario, some people are saying try to wear two masks. Yes. So I tried wearing two masks and I'm shopping with my mom and they start popping off my ear. Yeah. I don't even, I don't know. I haven't been able to successfully wear two masks for longer than 10 minutes because they just don't hold. Maybe I need to get different masks. Are they telling people there to wear two masks? No, not as a thing. Like there's been, it's been talked about, but I think they'd rather focus on getting people to just wear their masks. Um, and the people that are pushing back saying, well, it's uncomfortable. That's going to just lose them. There you go. There you go. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was very insightful to hear what's going on with the pandemic in the United Kingdom. Oh, thanks for having me. This is great. Thanks for listening to the pandemic show. We're all in this together and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing the pandemic show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the pandemic for the people of the pandemic. Do you have an interesting pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemishow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the Pandemic Show.